Hi everyone, welcome to the Joyful Balance podcast. You're here with your two co-hosts. I'm Mira and I've got Denise with me. We're here to take you all on a journey through your mind, your brain and your body and how all three things are interlinked. Denise takes care of the psychology side. I look after the neuroscience and nutrition piece and we're learning just as much as you are along this journey. And so I'm going to let Denise kick off as we're joined by a very special guest today. Yeah, thank you, Mira. Hi, guys. So today we have another guest. We are introducing you to a lot of people this season. And today we are here with Slee. You uh, might see her on your screen, those ones uh, watching on YouTube, those of you who are just hearing us. Well, she is a lifetime nurse and she also has her own private practice specializing in hypnotherapy as as well as mindfulness and other um, therapeutic approaches and without further ado here she is hi Sli. hi nice to be with you thank you so much for accepting to be with us today and it is absolutely a pleasure because we are super stoked to get a lot of information from you so I hope you're ready to share well, hopefully I can give it, yeah. <laughs> so as you guys know, we are on a journey this season. So we've taken you through wellness up until now. We spoke to you about uh, what Mira and I were doing and how we want to better ourselves and our lives. So we've decided to invite Slee to help us uh, a little bit more um, with habits and understanding how can we set ourselves up for success when it comes to habit change? Because, you know, we, we all have habits that we don't particularly want to have. So sometimes we need to reframe them. Uh, we have a few questions like we normally do with our guests. And I will start with the first one and then Mira is going to go jump right in. Don't worry, she's still here. I'm definitely still here. I'm just being unusually quiet at the moment. <laughs> that is... Absolutely. Uh, unusual for us. I know. So my first question for you, Slee, is uh, say you have somebody coming into your therapy business and they want to change a habit, whichever habit that may be. What do you normally recommend to such a person who wants to change a habit? I think it's very dependent on what habits they come with someone who comes with unhealthy habits around food is very different to someone who comes in say who just wants to stop biting their nails around food and unhealthy behaviors around food is really complex so if we look at first of something more simple like nail biting it does have some emotional components in with it because it can be triggered maybe when someone's tired or when they are worried, anxious. You don't necessarily hear of many people who suddenly munch on their nails if they're exceedingly happy. But you may, you know, you may do. But it, it tends to be more of a boredom, tired in certain situations. So with people like that, first of all, it's really important to become aware of the habit to actually do a habit diary so 
maybe for a week, log every time you do the habit Mm -hmm. and what you're doing while you're doing the habit. So are you driving? You know, have you got one hand on the wheel and then you're sort of munching? Or are you watching telly? You know, those sorts of things. What are you doing? Because that may well be one of your triggers. Um, What are you thinking? Or you're not thinking of anything. Are you bored? How do you feel? Are you tired? Are you worried about something? Note all those sorts of things down. All that will do will bring it to your attention and make it easier to then do something about it. The trouble with habits, sometimes we do it very unconsciously. Mm. It becomes an automatic behavior. Now that automatic behavior goes for all habits. It gets ingrained and it becomes something that you're not even aware of. We run our lives today um, probably 80% on automatic behavior. Mm. When we're cleaning our teeth, we're not having to think about how we're holding our toothbrush, how we're moving our toothbrush. We can sometimes be concentrating on, I need to do this side for a minute or whatever. But actually the physical brushing of your teeth it becomes automatic. And quite often we're thinking about something completely different. You know, we're thinking about having to pick the kids up from school or what am I going to make for dinner or whatever. So that's how we run our lives, mostly on automatic. So it's really important to become aware of your habit. When you do it, what are you feeling? What's going on at that moment in time? Is it just you do it when you're driving mm. you know is it just very very simple it could be simple it could be more complex it could be um when someone gives me a heavy work workload at work that worries me that stresses me I have to have some sort of outlet and of course when we're talking about healthy eating and our habits around food it's really complex. There's lots of other things going on, not just about those emotions, you know, happiness, sadness, boredom, could be tired, I'm really tired. Um, I'm just gonna eat whatever I've got close. Um, It can just be automatic eating. How often do we sit down and maybe have a cup of tea and we always have two biscuits with it? It's just something you get, you make your cup of tea and you grab those two biscuits. When we're eating in front of the television, can be totally automatic. Kids often will have a packet of crisps or something nearby. And and if you watch them, they're not even registering that they're eating the crisps. They're just sort of piling it in. It becomes an automatic behavior. So the first thing you have to do is you have to become aware to take it out of that automatic behavior Mm. into awareness. And then you have to dissect what it is that is going on around that behavior. Does that make sense? Yeah, definitely, definitely. So a dive is a a great, absolute great place to start because it starts that awareness process. And and you have to be asking yourself in the diary, asking yourself questions. 
especially around food, especially around healthy eating, especially around cravings, very particular questions. Um, why? Why am I? Why am I going to eat? Hungry. Mm. How often are we actually eating because we have nutritional hunger? We probably don't eat because we have true nutritional hunger. We are eating for very many different reasons. Sometimes it's just because it's lunchtime. We're not actually hungry. We've <laughs> That's a, good a very good point. Yeah. 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 There are different triggers to eating. And we have other things. Thirst. How often do we eat when actually we're thirsty? The body's not great at telling us when we're thirsty. By the time we crave something, you know, that, that feeling of, oh, gosh, I've got to drink something. I've got to have that cup of tea. I've got to have that glass of water. By the time we've got to there, actually what's happened, your body now is dehydrated. Mm. It doesn't have a a food signal like we've got a hunger hormone that tells you when you're hungry although that quite often nowadays is a bit um out of whack for a lot of people but we don't have one for for thirst so actually a lot of times especially as we don't drink enough quite often during the day especially if we're working um it's thirst we we know something's wrong so we eat instead of drinking and actually mm -hmm. it's thirst so it's always good to actually have a drink um if you suddenly want to reach for food drink first see if it's only hunger uh, if it's only thirst rather than hunger. Mm -hmm. so that's that's kind of a, a good thing but the other things we often eat when we feel we've got an empty stomach who said having a full stomach all the time is necessary it's yeah. not mm. And, and, and some people think, oh, my stomach's empty. I've got to fill it. No, you don't. No. Step away from the food. Yeah. <laughs> I um, like that. I almost see a sign. Move away <laughs> from the biscuit. Move, the, move, move away from the food. Put it up in your kitchen. <laughs> but also, sometimes we, we are eating, and actually what we are craving is certain nutrients um, because our food, if we have a particularly bad diet, our habits are such that we have chips, we have you know chicken and chips, um, McDonald's, all that fast convenience food, processed food, things like that. Um, we develop a habit of eating that, but they are quite often empty calories. There's very little nutrition in that food. So we set up a habit pattern of continually eating, but we're continually eating because the food we're eating isn't containing the nutrition that we need. Mm. So you're setting up a habit of, I need to eat, I need to eat, I need to eat, I'm eating, eating, eating. And, that, and the food industry buys into that. You know, they, they, mm. they make these high fat, high sugar foods that are, you know, have the bliss point and are very, you know, attractive to us and it it sets us up on that habit spiral of eating that type of food the, the food industry's got it down to a fine art they they manipulate the food so it has just what's called the bliss point so our habits aren't all our fault 
especially around food. Mm -hmm. I think it's very important to 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 point that and to remember that uh, it's it's not all because of something we may have developed. It's also because of other reasons. And uh, that's I it. Think... There's often a lot of reasons behind our habits, and and just looking at when we are doing this behavior, what we're thinking, what we're feeling is really really important that's key because you can't change anything unless you notice it yeah that makes a lot of sense mm. denise did you have a follow-up question no no go for it well i just um part of me wonders and i don't know if there's anything in it from the psychology perspective from either you Lee, or or um denise but you know when it comes to this whole uh, mistaking hunger for thirst I kind of hear some really believe that that's true a few experts believe that they're governed by two very different uh meta like kind of metabolic homeostatic mechanisms but I, I wonder if there really is something around there's something really pleasurable about that aspect of putting something into your like mouth almost and I was just I I think it's kind of really important to think about that for a second, just because I think we mention it quite a lot on this podcast. And I was just wondering, I mean, you're both nodding emphatically, which means <laughs> I must be, I must be on the right track. Um, and I just wonder if you could just add a bit more about that. It's totally. Um, it's really, when you do your food diary, part of the process. So what I've been talking about is the initial um noticing but then you can extend the diary and you extend it to what am I wanting to eat what types of food am I wanting you're right there are certain foods that we crave and we want to eat quite often people who have issues around certain foods aren't craving broccoli yeah, you know, they don't suddenly say, "Oh God, I, I'm going to die for a plate of broccoli." They tend to go if for only, the high yeah. fat. Yeah, if only, if only, exactly. Um, they're going for the the high, highly processed, high fats, high sugars, um, and you need to be looking at what foods are you craving. Why are you craving it? Chocolates are a prime example. There are lots of good stuff in chocolate. Mm -hmm. Um but probably not your ordinary Cadbury's Aerobar. I had someone on the weekend who said, no, 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 you tell me that uh, you, you say that chocolate's good. Yeah, no, chocolate is. But he's eating like chocolate Aero. That's not good. Yeah. The amount of chocolate on that bar is minimal. School, yeah. And there's a huge amount of fat and huge amount of sugar, huge, huge amount of sugar. So, yeah, no, I'm not talking that sort of chocolate yes <laughs> um so but we need to be looking at what we are, are craving yes manufacturers also part of the bliss factor that manufacturers create these foods is te is texture is yeah. that absolute texture how it melts you know the melting point of certain chocolates of cakes of all those sorts of things, how it feels in your mouth, how it makes you feel, how it triggers the pleasure points, how it triggers dopamine. Yeah. All that is is absolutely 
spot on. It, it triggers dopamine in your brain, which is your pleasure hormones. You know, it's yeah. saying, I'm getting pleasure from this food. Yeah, we've we've talked about dopamine a lot on this podcast, <laughs> but it's good to hear you refer back to it always. That's it. It's But it's a very short-lived thing. Yeah. So part of your food diary is actually thinking about how you're eating. So putting the food in your mouth, the first two mouthfuls, yes, you may get that hit of dopamine, but actually from then on, you probably don't actually realistically. Um, so there can be two things you could get from that. If you are suddenly craving cake, um, do you need to eat the whole slice to actually one, maybe just one mouthful, have a taste of it? Because that's actually all it all it takes to get that 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 one yeah. hit. Um, but you document that. How do you feel while you're eating it? How do you feel in that first mouthful? What does it say to you? What do you what are you experiences? Is it actually as nice as you imagined when you were coming home on the bus and thinking, oh God, when I get home, I'm straight away going to eat that. I'm craving that. Does it taste as nice as you really imagined it to be? Is it as good as that? Does it last through the whole thing you're eating? Mm. And then 20 minutes after, 30 minutes after, how do you feel? Mm. Yeah. Are you still feeling hungry? Are you still, you know, if you've you've eaten a, something like a McDonald's, it's quite often people will eat a McDonald's, but there's so little nutritional value in it. You know, a, an hour later, they're hungry again because actually their body is saying, well, yeah, okay, can I have some protein? Can I have something? Yeah. I need something to <laughs> build, to heal, to do. I'm still, I, I'm still here. I, I've not had anything decent. So it, it will be sending out other signals. So it's looking at that. How mm. do I feel? Does mm. it make me feel good? Did it make me feel rubbish? Did it not help with my hunger? Yeah, I think it's really interesting you mentioned that as well, because I've been reading a or listening to an audio book version of a book called The Dopamine Nation, and it's written by an eminent psychiatrist. Or I think she's worked a lot with um, patients who have struggled with addiction. And she talks about there being kind of this seesaw that you're on between pleasure and pain. And sort of once you tip that seesaw, well, one, the reward itself is never as good as the anticipation. So that journey home when you're thinking about the cake, that quote unquote high is is not going to be replicated and bettered when you actually mm -hmm. take and I think we can all imagine points in our lives like when we've you know when we've had that moment or like you know we really wanted to buy like I mean look I'm I'll put my hands up I'm guilty of this but like wait, can't wait till the new iPhone comes out then it comes out and you buy it and you're like oh yeah okay. <laughs> then you want to the next thing then you are exactly you the next, absolutely and like and I think it's important, you know, what's also very important in all of this as well is like, once you're, well, A, you know, your brain stops listening to dopamine as well when you keep going out for these rewards. But because your 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 brain is balanced between this pleasure and sort of pain principle, when you're starting to tip the scale to way more pleasure, your body's trying to rebalance itself. So you start feeling more pain. Now, whether that's emotional or physical pain depends on the drug of choice and what you're using it for. 
Uh, but I think something like keeping a diary and really drilling into how you experienced the the build up, the re the reward, the rewarding thing, whether that's food or whatever, and the how you felt feel afterwards is a really really important learning point that almost makes the change a little bit easier to deal with. Definitely, because you then see the process, even if it is something as simple as biting your nails. How do you feel afterwards? Mm. Um, it is it is about that. I mean, did it help? Mm. Did it, you know, if you're doing it for an emotional reason, did it help? Yeah. No, generally speaking, it doesn't. You know, biting off your, your nail is not going to help you with your worry. You're still going to be anxious, you're still <clears> gonna be worried. You're much better. Um once you once you understand that, you're much better thinking of ways that you can displace that habit yeah and it's the same with food mm, mm. I wonder talking about displacing the habits what we uh, me and Mira on this on the podcast constantly say is decide what you want to change and then split that in million little pieces and do the smallest little piece first <laughs> in order to build up rather than drastically tomorrow you wake up and that's it you're doing this and you're changing your diet and you change your job and everything else Definitely don't try and change all, everything at once doesn't work just doesn't work it may sound like a really good idea or you know if you're you're thinking about it you think oh yeah on monday i'm gonna eat healthily i'm going to go to the gym every day i'm gonna no no that's not your and and also what you tend to do is you bunch all those things together. Mm. So when you fail one part, which you will inevitably do on that, yeah. that major change, you then, something in your brain goes, well, you failed. And just even if you haven't made it to the gym, you then somehow, because everything is has fired together in the brain and it's, you know, it's a whole linked process. Oh, well, I failed. And it, I failed as an entirety. Mm. And so then you're less likely, you're or you're more likely to go. Oh well, I failed at not going to the gym. I'll have something bad to eat. Yes, does that make yes. sense? Yes, then that, all or nothing comes. I was just yeah. about to say it's all, all or nothing. nothing thinking. So that's really important. You're you're right to just take some little things and change incrementally. So try and change your exercise pattern one week or one month and then build in something else what I would say is habits though if you are going to start a new habit like going to the gym going mm -hmm. to the gym going swimming whatever build little things around it that um make that habit more fixed in your mind for example try and always go at the same time because then, even if it's something like going for a walk in the evening mm. after dinner, go at the same time. Because then that time comes up and it's time for a walk. Yeah. The two things together, the symbiotic nature, it's two things. It becomes more powerful if you wear 
put your exercise clothes on or have them all laid out in the morning so that when you go up, get up, you put them on straight away. And it's the time you go to the gym. You're linking three things together. I I go up, I take my gym bag, I'm out the door. If it's going, I'm definitely going to the gym after work. Have your gym bag at the Ready. front door. So you pick your gym bag up before you go out. That is part of the process. It's triggering your brain to say today I'm going to the gym you're linking things to make that habit pattern stronger Mm, those are fantastic hacks and ladies and gents who are listening that's exactly what I have to do to get myself to the gym in the morning is at night and I did this last night I put all my clothes out so as soon as I got out of bed I was in my gym stuff and I had a two-hour driving lesson this morning and I was like right I'll put my gym clothes on I'll go for the drive I'll have my driving lesson and I'll literally dump my coat back in the house and go straight to the gym and that's exactly what I did and even though you know I had queued up these things kind of perfectly it was much as anyone can my brain was still like oh but you know like oh maybe we could go at lunch or like you know whatever and I was like nope you're in your gym gear now like you're already halfway there you know you've you've won half the battle yes and sometimes I I don't know if it's for clients who like are kind of struggling with those final with those final steps of kind of doing the healthy thing I mean maybe this is going slightly off topic but just thinking out loud as I think about the self-talk that I had to give myself in order to like get myself past Mm. onto that final hurdle of actually getting to the gym how do you kind of knit together that those final two pieces that you know help someone when they've already done all this like these like you know they've already primed all of the stuff in their brain to make them do the thing to then them not falling at the last very last hurdle if that makes sense you can do a lot a lot around that now Mm. you got your stuff ready the night before I did okay so actually you could start then because that's already part of the process you've already got that part of the process so you're saying to your brain this is what I'm going to do so you're giving it a positive this is what's happening you can then make that stronger you can do some mental rehearsal so this is so you you sit you breathe get yourself centered and then do some mental rehearsal of how it's going to go, how your day's going to go, how your plan for the gym is going to go. Replay it again and again. This is what I'm going to do. The brain will see when you do like an imagery rehearsal of you going through the process of what you want to do. It actually registers it as if it's real, actually. It's a practice for it. And so in the morning, when you put your gym clothes up, it goes, I know where this is going. I know the plan. Yeah, I'm here. I've done this before. And it will become much more automatic. Because again, what you're doing is you are trying to set up your automatic habit in a positive way. So we're taking something maybe that has been negative in the past and we are changing it to a positive habit. So you want to ingrain it and you want it to become an automatic habit. Mm. And by imaginal rehearsal, you can do that because you are to change and make a habit takes quite a lot of Mm. repetition. Mm. Imaginal rehearsal 
will give you some of that repetition without even having to do it. Yeah. Or otherwise known as self-hypnosis. Yeah, it's a form of self-hypnosis. You're right. You don't have to do anything spectacularly sort of hypnosis y. Mm-hmm. You just sit, you make sure you're relaxed, you're focused, and you replay your scenes that you want to do. You can replay scenes of one of your habits when you're on your way to work is going to the coffee shop and have a croissant. You can actually rehearse going into the coffee shop, maybe not having the latte, maybe having no croissant, maybe a piece of food. And yeah, you do the imaginal, like re- yeah, the rehearsal around that. And you can do that, as I would say to you, the nighttime is really a good time to start. Mm. But also when you get up in the morning, you can do it in the morning for other th- scenarios through your day. So mm. if you're going to go to a restaurant with your friends, um, kind of what are the things I'm going to order? Am I going to lapse and say, oh, no, bring on the chips? <laughs> or can I see myself making the healthy options run through that it's a great idea i love that it would be much sorry no 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 you go for it denise it would be much much easier because as as lee was saying you're basically repeating something that your mind thinks has been there before that's yeah that's really cool i really like that yeah it becomes part of the habit it becomes it is it's setting your habit up it's just running it through in an imagined way, but you're still running your brain through it and your brain still sees it as actually has happened. And so when it gets into that scenario, whatever scenario you run through, it says, I recognize this. I know what we're doing. Hmm. It I, becomes ingrained in a certain way. Go on, Denise, do you have a question? I don't have a question more than than just a, a little bit of a of a follow and maybe a wrap in the sense not of the episode but of what we were just saying here I just wanted to share with everybody listening that what Slee has so beautifully explained in the past 10 minutes or so is very much what happens in a therapeutic session when somebody wants to change a habit or add another good positive habit to their life it's all of this um, rehearsing in your imagination with or without hypnosis going through the motion so that it becomes such a familiar thing in to yourself that when you think okay I am going to go to the gym the self-talk of maybe tomorrow becomes you know quieter and quieter and quieter because it's like but this is what we do it becomes such a you know brushing your teeth kind of thing yes exactly that's what you're trying to do you're trying to exchange the the old with the new way of being i'm gonna have to try and remember that the next time i have to get on a plane this is a really good yes it's excellent for that back it up with things like coping statements you know have a little sentence as you know it can be something simple if you're going into maybe giving a presentation you give yourself coping statements i can do this I am strong, I'm powerful, whatever. But you use some words that you feel, you know, I'm going to the gym because I am fit and healthy. You don't say I'm going to the gym because I don't want to be. You never mm. never say a negative, always say a positive because I am healthy and fit. 
and strong. You have mm. those types of coping statements. Put those in there. Mm. Always in the present tense. Always in the present tense. I am. It just that it just hammers it home. That's what you are. You're not saying you want to be. You are it. That's that's how you phrase things. Okay, that's really interesting because sometimes what I say to only someone with a neuroscience background would say this, but sometimes when I go to the gym, say like, okay, we're going to build like we, we, you know, I'm going to build some BDNF, which is like a molecule that helps to kind of grow your brain cell connections. And that's how I convince myself to like actually be in the gym. But um, I like the idea of rather than saying it's going to happen, say it is happening. Like I'm growing. I'm growing. That's it. It's growing. It's there. Exactly. That's really cool. I love that. Thank you. It, it is. This is such a good episode for me. Oh, thank you. <laughs> I feel like I'm having my own therapy session. Well, so do I. I feel like I've suddenly gone from very quiet to very vocal, which is what often <laughs> sometimes will happen. The other thing, I mean, I always teach people, I've got this thing called freeze, breathe, examine, exchange. And it's especially for people, um, I use it on other people, but eating is a really good example if you're going to if you want to eat something that perhaps isn't really what you want to do but you've got that craving or you're, mm-hmm. you know you're tired or whatever first of all freeze means stop stop and think what you're doing so then examine all your emotions and whatever what what's going on with you do you really need to do this so that's the first stage breathe breathe is simple it's just getting you out of any fight flight that you're in, any stress, get your stress hormones, do a bit of really diaphragmatic breathing. So calming your system next, because that will help you think clearly. Mm. And then, so examine, examine what you're doing. Why am I doing this? What What's going on here? And then exchange, exchange the behavior if you can, exchange the food for something maybe that's a little bit better, even if it's not a plate of broth maybe it'll be something that's less processed or less high sugar but it will give you time so first of all stop you know just stop what you're doing it's not telling you you can't do it but let's have a pause let's get in the right frame of mind to really think about this seriously so you're breathing Mm. then you do your examination what what's going on here what's happening and then you make the decision and possibly exchange whatever you're you're up to you can do Very... that with your gym as well you can do definitely do that for the gym if suddenly you think oh no I'm you know when you when you take your coat in yeah and you think well I'm going to go out and then you think oh no I really don't want to go stop take some breaths examine what's going on why are you doing it why are you what is there that's making you sit down rather than go to the gym can I exchange it for going to the gym or do I really need to sit down? Am I absolutely totally exhausted and actually need a rest? Yeah, I, I think there's something really interesting in that because there's a couple of things. I think there's almost one like we set, I think with, with the gym in particular or, or with fitness in particular, we set, and food actually, we set these aspirational goals as being so high. And so when you kind of are on that journey whether it's improving your diet or improving your fitness or whatever it might be because there's like so many people out there who who on the face of it appear to be doing these amazing 
bodybuilding, like sitting on an ice cube and meditating things. (laughs) Nothing is wrong with any of them in there if that's what someone's passion is. But I think then the expectation for the rest of us to be able to do exactly that, because at the same day, we're all the same ball of cells. I think it really sets people up to kind of really struggle. And if they feel that they can't achieve that, which is all back to this all or nothing, then it's almost not worth doing or we're not going to be able to do it well enough for it to have the benefit we want or whatever it might be. But I, I really like this idea of the exchange piece because, you know, there's definitely been times when, okay, I don't want to necessarily do the original thing I came to go and do in the gym, but is there something that I can do instead that at least still means that I went, mm. right? And I keep mm. that habit in place. Mm-hmm. You my mentor, but you don't necessarily have to be a hundred percent we're not always a hundred percent and we do tend to have this all or nothing so we either um succeed or we fail it's not like that life isn't like that and and actually what is failure even if we don't get to the gym or even if we eat that that donald's doesn't mean we've failed it just means at that point in time that's what we did Mm, but it's yeah. not a failure but as soon as we tag ourselves as a failure you tend to then oh what's the point yeah mm. and I think that's the the very big difference is that if you realize oh today I've chosen I'm gonna have a McDonald's or whatever else you crave and you are aware of it and you're like okay I've chosen this then it's you're again it can't be a failure versus I don't know what happened three hamburgers later I was because that's a completely then guilt or shame or some other emotions might show up versus I have decided that it is okay for me today to have food x let's say so even if we do that's why I have that McDonald's say say it's been a really bad day and I you know I don't tend to go to McDonald's as a really bad day I'd, my example will be um I'll open a bottle of wine Mm. and then I'll you know I'll think oh yeah no I deserve this and I'll I'll open that bottle of wine so even if we do open it we have a, you know two two glasses instead of the one glass that you wanted or you, you set out it's about looking why am I doing that mm. um even if I have those two glasses even if I god forbid I, I finish the bottle um as long as I'm looking at why I'm doing it, okay, I'm doing it because I'm really, I've had an awful day, I feel really anxious, I feel, then what we can do is those things that we've learned from, so yeah, I was feeling anxious and I went to to wine to offset that. When I'm feeling stronger and happier and better, then I can look at, okay, what else can I do when I'm feeling those things? Mm. How can I change my pattern? I may not be able to change my pattern in the moment, but Mm. as long as I am aware of what the pattern was and what's what's going on for me, when I am feeling stronger, when I am at at that really strong point, okay, how do I change that? Mm. How do I make exchanges that are better? Mm. does that make sense that yeah yeah I can speak from from my personal experience with these types of fast food type you know things out there 
I've never been a sweet tooth type person. I've always craved the more savory thing. So for me, it was, you know, a craving. I was eating very quickly, very quickly. You know, you wouldn't really realize what I've had. And when I've started this whole journey for, for myself in terms of, you know, learning about cognitive behavioral and doing my own therapeutic side of, of things, I realized that I mindfulness comes into play. And that's one thing I wanted to touch upon with you, Slee, as well. And once I started eating mindfully my hamburger, what I've discovered is I didn't like the taste. <laughs> but it took me a lot, of, a lot of years to realize I am not actually the biggest fan of it. I still like the fries, but I, the hamburger is not really my thing anymore. And I sometimes have a bite because I'm building it up in my head. It's going to be fantastic and the smell and the taste. And if I do it slowly, in the sense of I'm biting and chewing and smelling it. And then I'm like, well, why? Yeah. <laughs> why did I go to that's the cardboard? What I was saying that's it in my diary. It doesn't stop with what and where and, and then what your emotions are. It's how you feel when you're eating it. Like yeah. after the first two bites, how do you feel? But you've got to be paying attention. Mindfulness is paying attention in the moment, being there. So not, inhaling the food so fast that you don't even notice the texture the taste whatever um really analyzing what's mm. going on and then and and looking at it so look at the everything that you're experiencing as you're eating it mindfulness you're exactly right but it's staying in the moment and it's not drifting off into automatic which is what we do yeah. Our life is spent on automatic. So mindfulness is trying to keep you in the present, keep you being aware of what actually you're doing, feeling what's going on around you, everything in the moment. You're not thinking about what you have done, what's coming it's now. Can you give us some tips and tricks how we and others can do that in terms of making sure we are more in the now versus in the past and future? There are lots of there, there are lots of sort of things that you can do to bring yourself into the present. I mean, one very popular thing, the more you do it, the easier it becomes. Um, it's like with anything, but you can do something you can you can do the the notice five things anywhere whether you're sitting on a train you know when you're sitting in the office and you can do it very quickly so you can and you can extend it or it can be very sort of tight little exercise but you can notice five things around you so just look around the room and notice five things even if you're sitting in a bland room nothing on the walls there's the texture on the walls there's the color on the walls um there's how the walls join how the ceiling joins the you know there's lots of things that actually you may say oh there's nothing here there's there's loads there you look at all those things um and you analyze what does that actually look like you know like denise is sitting in front of a cream wall it's not a flat cream because where it's in shadow it's darker and then as it gets there's light coming in there's light so you can be noticing things like that you know all those sorts of things so first of all you're using your eyes noticing that notice what's going on sound wise what what's happening around you you may hear cars going past you may hear a dog you may just hear 
even you breathing, mm. just, just the breath going in and out of your body. So that's using another sense. So using your, your hearing. What do you smell? What do you feel? You know, when we're, we're sitting still, we're still feeling our clothes on our skin. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, when we touch our hair, we can we can feel the texture of our hair. Um, we can feel the chair against at the moment we're all sitting down. You can feel where the chair contacts your body. It's bringing you into your surrounding area. So that's a really simple one that you can practice every day just to bring yourself centered. Mindful eating, set yourself a task of maybe eating one meal a day mindfully. I mean, you could set yourself a task of mindfully eating every meal. But I would say probably just pick a meal, one meal a day. And and really try and concentrate on that meal from the first bite all the way through to the last. A lot of pause from both Mira and I because we are soaking it in. I think definitely just soaking it in. Yeah, I think we both know things. It's just sometimes when you hear it from somebody else and from usually with so many years of experience and the way you you express it, it's so like okay, I need to put this somewhere, <laughs> capsulate it somewhere in, in my brain, my body, my, you know, memory, so that I remember to do it all the time. But it is a habit. So we have to start with doing it once and then little and often. And the more times you practice, the better you get at it. It's like anything, the more automatic it becomes. Yeah. Mm. Do you have any any follow-up uh, things, Mira? Because I have still two questions on my list. You go for it. So one of them is we would like to understand a little bit more how knowing what you know and having had, you know, the experience in the NHS and outside of it, how all of this, or what did you implement in your everyday life? How, how does the, you know, professional side of you influence positively your personal side of you that's quite interesting because I worked full-time in the NHS up until 2018 and I was a consultant nurse and then ended up as a clinical director and the job was very full-on mm. all the way through very high stress and I didn't my behaviors were not particularly great uh, we didn't get time to eat properly. We used to grab things on the run. Sometimes we didn't have anything at all. So by the time you got home, often quite late at eight o'clock, you know, I just, I just need something quick. I need, you know, it, it's all that sort of thing. I'm too tired to go to the gym. I was lucky, I suppose, that my work was quite physical, so I remained quite healthy because I was running around quite a lot. I also wore a lead apron a lot of the time because my theatre had 
x-rays so we did the weight bearing exercise I didn't have to go to the gym I had a lead apron on rest of the time but but actually you know my habits and my head behaviors were not particularly good in my NHS life Hmm. now I do still work in the NHS I work a couple of days a week but it's a lot less pressured now because I only work a couple of days and I do the rest in my business but I slowly changed how my behaviors had become so but again I had to do it slowly so I became aware of what I was doing I tried to become much more aware and educate myself on the foods that I was eating and what is 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 good and sometimes you know I'd love to be I'd love to say to you I have managed to get myself to a stage where no process no sugar ever enters my body yeah that doesn't work but I am better I am I'm so much better than I was by by utilizing the things that I've pointed out so Mm. so becoming aware of my behaviors becoming aware of my triggers knowing that when I come in really tired from work and I still do I still work when I'm in the NHS I still work sort of long hours sometimes and it can be quite full on but what I don't do now is I don't come home to an empty house where I don't have stuff in the fridge that I can cook quickly Mm. with no no not much effort because I'm Mm. not one for like when I'm really exhausted I don't want to put in effort I don't want to chop stuff I don't want to do I have it ready I have something prepared so that I can come home and I can put it in the oven put it um just cook it easily on the top whatever it is I can do it and I can have a meal ready that's healthier Mm. than going to the takeaway on the way home or ordering you know delivery to deliver whatever because I I really can't get off the sofa once I've got home and sat on the sofa if I sit down it's fatal so you prepare Mm. so know where your triggers are I know that's a big trigger of mine I'm tired especially if my daughter comes because my daughter recently has moved out but if she comes home at the same time she's got a really demanding job if we're both home tired fatal Mm. you have to have something lined up ready Mm. so preparation is key preparation is key so even if it's in the freezer so you know pre-cooking some meals when you've cooked one meal have enough so you can put some in the freezer rather than just making enough for one meal you know have Mm -hmm. some and then so on that time when you come home and you want something you've got something so things like that so preparation know when your triggers are I do the rehearsal mental rehearsal we have a coffee shop in the hospital if you look at their food probably something like 90% is not particularly healthy Mm. there's a couple of healthier options so I make sure that I have mentally rehearsed the fact that I'm going to order the the healthy option not the unhealthy option so I can still go to the coffee shop. I'm not banning myself from going to the coffee shop. I can even have different coffee options on, on what I feel on that day. Yeah. Mm. So it's thinking about things before you get, thinking about those scenarios before you get to them and and trying to have a plan. Mm. If you go off plan, don't make a big deal of it. It's fine. 
you mm. went off plan it's one day tomorrow's another day yeah so those sorts of things the other thing knowing what you put inside your body and what you do whether you take exercise regular exercise has a huge impact mm. over how healthy you stay especially in later life it's really important to start some of the good process and even if someone comes to me in their 60s and they've been diagnosed with something like diabetes type 2 diabetes it's not something that you just say right okay you cope with that for the rest of your life there are things you can do to help there are things and, and knowing what those things are so you know taking control of your sugar intakes is really important but knowing these things educating people about what is important getting exercise Mm. if you have a high sugar meal and then take a walk after it yeah absolutely it impacts your your insulin levels radically your insulin doesn't spike way as high so it's things like that it's education knowing these things and adapting your lifestyle so you get better Mm. we're not asking for a hundred percent compliance all you can do is just alter your behaviors and and your thoughts around things little by little you're exactly right when you say tackle things little by little it's like building a house get the foundations slowly build you don't start building a house from the roof very good points yeah and yeah we, we tend to do that a lot don't we we humans yeah, we do we, we decorate the roof <laughs> what are the, what are the tiles on the roof looking like and we have no foundation sometimes exactly exactly oh gosh this has been extremely helpful and yes. extremely insightful so we are so appreciative of, of all of your knowledge and for sharing it with us today. As I said a second ago, I feel like I've got my therapy dough. So thank you for that. I know it wasn't necessarily the intention. It's been fun. It's been good. Oh, I'm yes. glad you've enjoyed it. It's, we've, yeah, it's been so, so useful. And we've no doubt that our listeners are going to get plenty out of this. Um, yeah. 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 Good. Well... Thank you for coming to to speak to us. Thank you, all of you listening out there. And we hope you enjoy our journey. We we also hope we are inspiring you to get onto your own journey, however that may look like for yourself. We are very strong advocates of the not one size fits all. So please become your own detective. Understand what is your trigger what makes sense for you, what are your aspirations, and then start small and build up that foundation. Give us a follow and show us some love, share with other people. We still have quite a lot of you to reach out to. So every share helps and we will see you in one of our next episodes. Perfect. Thanks again, Slee. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Bye.